We are in week three of our series called The Spirit. Called The Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, we as Christians believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Most people are very familiar with Jesus and they like Jesus because He's the one who died on the cross for us. He's the one that's our friend. He's the one that is interceding for us. They're a little nervous about God the Father, thinking He's an angry old man that if it wasn't for Jesus, we'd be in real trouble. But then there's the Holy Spirit and people can get kind of nervous about the Holy Spirit and sort of back away and be sort of concerned about that because... Uh, well, for one thing, things of the Spirit can be strange and unknown. And so people can back away from the Holy Spirit because they just don't understand what's going on with that. And it just seems strange. Plus, you've got some interesting people who associate themselves with the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? When I came to faith, I thought to myself, I can't believe the Christians are right. And that there's a God that exists that can hear me think and hear me pray when I'm riding in my truck by myself, I can't believe they're right and that there is a being like that who created the universe. That's amazing. And then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I thought, I can't believe those Christians are right. Like, wow, you know, wow, who would have thought that group would be the one that's got something uh, tied into the heart of God like it is a big shock to me and so people can look at spirit-filled believers and go wow those are some interesting folk and that can cause them to back away from the Holy Spirit even more and then of course we talked about the new covenant that uh, in Jeremiah 31 it talks about how the the, a new covenant will be made with the house of Israel and that the law will be written on our minds and on our hearts. We won't have to read because it will be in us. And that new covenant is, of course, through the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit bringing the truth of God into our minds and our hearts. And so that creates another reason why we might back away from the Holy Spirit and that is there might be stuff in our minds and in our hearts that's not compatible with God. And so when we start to enter into a relationship with God and enter into the things of the Spirit, there can be an internal struggle. Because we might have things that we know we'll need to give up if we're going to release ourselves to God and we don't want to give those up. So we back away. We may have fears and insecurities and misunderstandings about God that, that cause us to be afraid and we don't come all the way in. And so there can be those internal struggles that cause us to back away from the Holy Spirit as well. Then last week we talked about there is more to the Christian life than getting saved. Now it's good to get saved, amen? Getting saved, that's kind of our terminology of when you, when you repent and turn to follow Christ. When you say, I've had enough of living this life, this life away from God. Instead, I'm going to turn away from that life. I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to ask God to forgive my sins. And I know that by the blood of Christ shed on the cross, I am forgiven. I believe that. Trust God. Offer my life to God. Now I have gotten saved. Hallelujah. I'm going to heaven. There's more to the Christian life than getting saved. You're born again now. Hallelujah. Now it's time to start living that life. Little babies get born. 
Then they grow up. They have various experiences. They mature and they become who they are. And it's the same thing in our walk with God. We are born again, but then we grow. We have more experiences and we come into who we are in Christ. And so we talked about these various experiences, went through some biblical examples, and I talked about some of the examples that have occurred with me. not the least of which was something that is, is very, very consistent with what's described in the scriptures as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I experienced a heart transplant. I got born again in 1988. I got my heart transplant in 1995. And uh, that was amazing. <laughs> I got a life-changing experience for me. To go from somebody with a critical spirit, with a judgmental spirit, with a blaming heart to somebody who had, uh, man, a supernatural love for the broken church. Just from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was seven years after getting born again. And we have these experiences as we, as we walk with God, as we grow, as we connect with God. We have more and more, even day by day. When we worship, we open ourselves up to God. We have these daily experiences with God. And those are the things that help us grow. There's more to the Christian life than getting saved. Isn't it nice to know that God isn't finished with you yet? Once you get saved, He's not just done. Well... There's somebody going to heaven, we'll, let him, we'll just let him sit till he finally dies and then we'll bring him into heaven. He's not done with you. There's a progression. There are things you can experience. There are ways you can conquer. And aren't you glad God isn't done with you yet? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This week we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. Let's pray. We'll get into new material. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that you guide us by your word and you guide us by your spirit. You don't just leave us down here to wander around and do the best we can. But Lord, you do guide us. You are a lamp unto our feet. Help us to see what you've got for us today. Help us to grab hold of your truth. Help us to take a step forward in serving you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit. There are two major ways that God changes and empowers us through the Holy Spirit. Two major ways. There are the gifts of the Spirit and there is the fruit of the Spirit. Gifts and fruit. How many people have heard of the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit? Raise your hand nice and high so I know how much I have to explain the difference between the two. All right, so we've got the gifts of the Spirit, which is abilities. And then we've got the fruits of the Spirit, which is our heart attitude, our character. And so uh, one of the things that I, I mentioned in the early service is that when, uh, when I was in high school, I tried to learn how to play the guitar, and I did not succeed. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done that. You know, you buy a guitar, you put it in your room, you look at it, you try to play, it doesn't work, and so you just keep, you're like, I got a guitar. Sold it to my brother-in-law, he had it for years, and then in February, January, February of the year 2000, God told me, 
learn to play the guitar. I'm praying, you know, like, oh, I've got to learn to play the guitar. So I said, hey, brother-in-law, can I borrow that guitar back? And he lent me that guitar back, and by April, I was leading worship by myself, just me and the guitar. That's a gift of the Spirit, an empowerment to have an ability to serve God. And then there's what I described earlier, that heart change. Which is more important, gifts of the Spirit or fruit of the Spirit? 50-50? Gifts or abilities, abilities are important, fruit's more important. Let's find out. It's very clearly spelled out in, the, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. We will see the primary fruit of the Spirit and a variety of gifts of the Spirit and how they are interrelated. And this is Paul helping us out. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. This is love for others. I heard of one guy misinterpreted this. He thought, if people don't love me, what difference does it make? He thought that's what it meant. No, no, this is loving other people. If I don't care about others, if I don't have love for others, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, doesn't that sound impressive? But have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Which is more important? Fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is primary, is king is where it's at if we don't have the fruit of the spirit doesn't matter what else we do it's nothing this is very significant isn't it this is a big deal let's grab hold of the fruits of the spirit what are the fruits of the spirit oh should i here he goes skipping his notes What happens if you have gifts without fruit? Have you ever seen that? So the heart's wrong, but the abilities are being used. Even supernatural abilities, but there's a wrong heart. There's a wrong spirit behind it. Have you seen that? Jesus describes this as being a false prophet. Is there gifts involved with false prophets? Absolutely. Like prophecy, for example. (laughs) That is a gift. But with the wrong heart, it can be false. How can we tell the difference between a real prophet and a false prophet? By the fruit. Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 7, 15 and 16. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Not by their giftings. By their fruit. Fruit is what matters. Now, our gifts are awesome. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Spiritual gifts are great. But you need the fruit of the Spirit first. Then, the gifts of the Spirit can flourish and function and, and be right. 
Fruit is primary. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. We have a list here. This is not intended to be an exhaustive list or some sort of legalistic list. This is just examples. And I think starts with the first ones, the biggest, most important ones, but then continues on. And there would be other uh, fruit of the Spirit besides. But this is, this is just to get us understanding what the fruit of the Spirit would be. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So again, this ties into that concept of the new covenant where the law is written on our minds and our hearts. If the Holy Spirit bears fruit in our mind and our heart and that fruit is love and joy and peace and patience and the rest of the list, we are walking in the law of God. Because we're walking in these ways. Let me ask you this question. We're going to read this list over and over again. What of your problems would be solved if you had these things? What problems that you have now would be solved if you had love, love for others? This is love for others primarily. Love others. If you had love, if you had joy, if you had peace, if you had patience, if you had kindness, if you had goodness, if you were faithful If you were gentle and self-controlled, which of your problems would be solved if you had these? (laughs) All of them? There might be be some. I mean, I don't... Maybe faithfulness. You got a broken ankle, you might still have a broken ankle. You know what I mean? There there might be things like that. But man, this is going to solve a whole lot of your problems, right? This is a big, big deal. So, this is something worth attaining. What would the opposites of these be? Let's go back to 22. Love. What would the opposite of love be? Got hate? Indifference. Indifference, I think, is the primary opposite of love. Is to not notice. Love notices. Love cares. To not notice is to not love. Now to, to use or exploit is also not love. To hate is also to not love. But man, relationships can be complicated. Can you love and hate someone at the same time? Absolutely. So, so there's not necessarily a complete dichotomy between the two. But absolutely you cannot Love and be indifferent to someone at the same time. You cannot love and not notice at the same time. Those are opposites. And so I have a dream that I would love to have come to pass. If I had the faith that could move mountains, I've got a dream here. I'm going to talk about another dream here later in a little bit. But uh, this dream is for everyone who comes to Good Hope Church, every service to have someone call them by name. Oh, man. Because if we are indifferent, when someone shows up, we're not a church of love. We must notice. We must care. The church must have a heart that's big enough to bring everyone in. Amen?
Will you be part of that with me? That'd be great. Saying hi to somebody and calling them by name is a huge ministry in the kingdom of God because it expresses the greatest commandment we are given towards people and it expresses the first in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. What would the opposite of joy be? Misery, depression, pain. We don't want that, do we? Purposelessness is an opposite of joy. What's the opposite of peace? Strife, destruction, war. What if you had a church that was indifferent about people, that was pretty much just depressed, and there was a bunch of strife in it? Would that be a good representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? No. People would see that and it just doesn't make sense. Right? When you've got people who are talking about God, but there aren't the fruits of the Spirit, or there are gifts of the Spirit without fruit of the Spirit, people can feel there's something wrong. This is just not right. Uh, it's like, have you ever seen a knee go the wrong direction? And it's just like, ah, knees aren't supposed to do that. It's... If, if we are representatives of God, if we are associated with God, if we are seeing gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit isn't there, it's like that. And people feel that feeling, and they're like, this is not right. And they know it. We must have the fruits of the Spirit. The opposite of patience, impatience. Why would somebody be impatient? Because they're missing something on the inside, Right? The opposite of kindness is cruelty or callousness, to, to not care. The opposite of goodness, evil, immorality. The opposite of faithfulness. <clears throat> I think there's two opposites of faithfulness. I think the opposite of faith is fear. We can walk by faith, trusting God, knowing He's got it, He's going to bring us through, or we can walk by fear. And we can follow that into its final destination. The end of the road when you walk by faith is good. The end of the road when you walk by fear is bad. Walk by faith. This may be a, a daily choice. I know for me, I, hey, we're building an addition. <laughs> Amen. We got the process going. We're, we're, we're going to, that's a big deal. I have to choose between faith and fear. I choose faith. I know God's this bigger. God is bigger than this. It can scare me because I'm smaller than that. <laughs> but God is bigger. So I have to walk by faith. One opposite of faithfulness is fearfulness. Another opposite of faithfulness is unreliability. If I'm faithful, I'm there, I'm ready, I can get the job done. If I'm unfaithful, I'm unreliable. It can't be counted on. That's not who we want to be in the kingdom of God, is it? This is a fun little math problem. If you've got 50 people coming to church and they all come half the time, how many weeks will it, how long will it be, I should say, between Sundays when all 50 show up? If you've got 50 people coming to church, if you guys like uh, 
story problems. 50 people come into church, they all come half the time. How long will it be between Sundays when all 50 show up? I, I worked it out. It does happen. It happens, the average between the two is 11 trillion years. Between Sundays when all 50 show up. The good news, of course, is that's the same distance between Sundays when nobody shows up. So that's a big plus. But 11 trillion years. If the body of Christ was like that, and the body is compared to our body, I mean, what if your bones showed up like that? We got more than 50 bones in our body, right? What if it's 11 trillion years between days when you have all your bones? You wouldn't be able to function very well, would you? No, it would be a tough one. We need to be faithful. We need to serve the Lord faithfully. The opposite of gentleness is insensitivity. Pridefulness is opposite of gentleness. The opposite of self-control is foolishness, undisciplinedness, and just being owned. You know, uh, the Greek word for uh, self-control is basically not incontinent. That's what self-control is, is to be not incontinent. To where, like, that's interesting. You know, I could go on that for a while. But what, what it means is that, you know, anger doesn't just flood out of us, but we are in control. Things don't just take us over. We're in control. Self-control. The opposite, foolishness, undisciplinedness, and just being owned by other things. What if people bring these opposite things to church? What happens? Because, man, I mean, seriously. Are we all just absolutely perfect when it comes to the fruits of the Spirit? (laughs) Absolutely not. So sometimes we bring these opposites with us. What happens? Simple answer is people get hurt. Right? People get hurt. That's why we need to continually forgive. That's why we need to hug it out and move forward because people just aren't perfect. Don't hold your breath on that either. I'll preach good. (laughs) But I'm guessing we're going to have imperfections even after a real nice sermon. So we're still going to need to forgive. We're still going to need to hug it out and move forward. Because when people bring the opposites of the fruit, people get hurt. Now, what if we had all these fruits of the Spirit? What if we had... Like if you personally had the fruits of the Spirit, all of them in this list in your life, what would we call that? I think we could call it happiness. If you've got love for other people, you care about others, you've got joy. You know, you can, you can buy fun. I like to tell the story of my lovely wife, the skydiver. Uh, She was thrown out of an airplane one time. Uh, They told her to jump, but she didn't, so they threw her out. Um, She did not have a positive experience with that. 
I went with her and I loved it. It was great. I mean, man, I don't even know how you could be scared of that because the ground is so far away, you're not going to hit it. You know, I mean, like you just, out you go. You're, you're perfectly fine. It's about the safest thing you can do. I suppose there is that implication of some impending situation in the future, but I wasn't thinking that far in advance. And so out we went like, woo, that was fun. But that, that buys fun, which distracts us from the thing deep down in here that we don't want to look at, right? It distracts us. Joy, the joy that's being talked about with the fruits of the Spirit, this happiness which is the culmination of the fruits of the Spirit in a person, is down to the core of who we are. It doesn't distract us from our inner pain. It doesn't distract us from those things deep down. It heals those things deep down. And brings us to a place of joy, a place of peace. Way down deep to the core of who we are. That's happiness. I think another word we could use to describe a person who has received the fruits of the Spirit in their fullness is redeemed. Redeemed. Somebody who is selfish and taking things just for them and hurting other people on their way up the ladder and impatient and full of strife and anger and all those opposites who gets saved, gets set free, gets filled with the the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and now is full of love and joy and peace and patience and the rest of the list. That's a person who's redeemed. Amen. That's a person who's been brought from death to life. That's a person who has received new life in Christ, is redeemed. And what if this happened on a global scale? Where everybody who said, yes, I believe in Jesus, I am a Christian, had the fullness of the fruits of the Spirit, what would that be on a global scale? I believe it would be the answer to Jesus' prayer when He was asked by the disciples, how should we pray And in that prayer, he said, one of the things you should pray is, Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That would be the kingdom of God on earth when God's people walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? I mean, just imagine if you were hanging out with 200 people who were full of that. What would it be like to be part of that? Oh, man. I mean, to have it yourself and to be surrounded by people like that? See how simple the gospel is? Be forgiven, receive the heart of God, and walk in it. That's it. And then a whole bunch of details to figure out how to do it. So how do we get that? Isn't that important? How do we receive the Holy Spirit, receive the fruits of the Spirit? How does that work? I'm going to give you a way that does not work, but is the most common strategy in Christian circles. Then we will reject that, and I will substitute in something else. The most common way is to have that din of guilt around us, Because we really don't love like we should. We really don't have joy. 
we're not as patient and we're not as gentle as we should be and we know the fruits of the Spirit just aren't functioning to their fullness and so we have a little bit of guilt about that and when we notice that guilt, we try harder to have love. We try harder to have joy. We try harder to have peace. Does that work? The normal result... Now... Keep trying, all right? I don't want to be misunderstood here. Keep trying. But normally what happens is that we fail and then we just feel a little bit more guilty and we go around the circle another time. And then we redouble our efforts and we try harder. But let me tell you the error in that thinking is you are going to the wrong source for your spiritual strength. Who is your source when you are trying harder? You are. Is that where you should be going for the fruit of the Spirit? No. You aren't going to be able to produce that because it's not the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So we must engage the Spirit. We must receive the Holy Spirit to have the fruits of the Spirit. Um, Galatians 3.3 explains this to a certain extent. Are you so foolish? Do we want to be foolish? No, let's not be foolish. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? We're Americans. What do Americans do? They work hard. The answer to every problem is work harder. But that's not the answer to this problem. The answer to attaining the fruit of the Spirit is not work harder because that's looking at your own strength and being your own source. And we need to look at the living God because He is our source. He is our strength. He is our provider. He is our deliverer. He is our rescuer. He is our healer. So when we start with the Spirit, we must continue with the Spirit and not take over and do it on our own strength. There's a big concept here. I've heard it described a few ways. In, in fact, in the first song, um, there was something, what was it? Is it? What was the first song called? Greater? Greater, greater, greater. Greater is the one living inside of me than the one living in the world. Something about the, the war has already been won or something. Down at the bottom at the bridge. How does it go? No, it's something about... the. Oh, here it is. Because the cross already won the war. I heard another song where they would talk about fighting a battle that's already been won. The battle's been won. The cross has already won the war. The fruits of the Spirit are in the heavenlies for us to attain to, but we don't have them. We have to get them. And so when we just try harder, we're looking at the wrong source. I've heard it also said this way, we need to operate from the kingdom versus for the kingdom. We operate from, we are empowered from the kingdom not for the kingdom. John 16, 12 through 15 describes this when Jesus is talking to 
uh, his disciples before his crucifixion. He's trying to prepare them, and he knows that they just don't get it. And that's verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that a profound promise? He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. So Jesus is saying, the stuff that God the Father has and the stuff I have, the Holy Spirit has. And his job is to bring it from the throne down to you. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine. And make it known to you. The Spirit will take the love of God. And make it known to us. The Spirit will take the joy of the Lord. Which is our strength. And make it known to us. Here's the deal. You don't produce a new heart in yourself. And then offer that to God. You don't clean and purify yourself and then bring that to the Lord and say, look here, I'm doing good. Instead, the Holy Spirit will create a new heart in you if you will let Him. Create in me a clean heart, O God. He does that work. We're going to close. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. Man, if you can get a hold of this, then instead of looking to yourself for strength, you can look to God and be provided for. I can't tell you how many years I was on the wrong side of that deal, just trying to do it on my own. We need to receive from God. I've got a word, just an English word, not a prophetic word, for you today to help you with this, and that is the word yield. The word yield. We must yield to God. We yield to Jesus. We yield to the Holy Spirit. So instead of running forward in a wrong spirit, running forward in fear, running forward in pride, running forward in selfishness or confusion, we yield and let the Spirit go first. Yield. When we yield to Jesus we yield to his forgiving power and instead of trying to produce our own righteousness we yield to Christ and receive a righteousness that is not our own that is from God we yield let's close in prayer if you haven't got saved yet (laughs) As described earlier, today's your day. Make a decision and say, I'm tired of I'm tired of of walking away from you, Lord. I want to walk toward you. I want to walk with you. Make me worthy to do that. He already has. So we just receive forgiveness. And walk into newness of life. If you need to do that, today is your day. If you need 
a heart transplant like I needed and still need regular checkups. Today's your day. Let's seek the Lord. Let's yield to the Spirit and receive good things. Let's pray together as a group and then I'll open the front can come down and receive prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. Father, help us to yield and realize that real work gets done when we yield to you rather than running forward in our own strength. You are the author. You are the perfecter. You are the strengthener. And so we ask you, strengthen us, perfect us, grow us. Let us receive of your spirit that we can have your love in our hearts that we can have true joy that goes down to the deepest parts of who we are, that we are no longer in shame, no longer in doubt, no longer uh, in condemnation, but we are in joy and peace from you. Touch us by your Spirit. Help us to receive so that we can have that within us and so that we can share that with this world. Bless us and help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. The, the front, the altar place is open now. The prayer teams are here. Whatever needs you have, if it's for salvation or for a touch of the Spirit or maybe you need a physical healing, whatever your need may be, you just want encouragement in Christ, come on down, receive prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord today.